This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Friends, welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. I can't wait for this episode. So this this little nugget today is something that I lost a memory card, finally found it, and I, I'm so excited because it's actually better timing of the year to drop this one. Dirk and I sit down at a Texas Oak Shape camp in front of a live audience and we break down different styles of setups or strategies for calling an elk with a partner or without. Uh, We talk about cold calling and we talk about several different types of scenarios you're going to probably run into and give you kind of a bunch more tricks to add to your bag. And it's all vocalization based. And right now you're probably a week or two out from elk hunting or potentially getting geared up, ready to head out the door. So this will be a good listen on your way. And uh, if you do check it out and you dig it, and utilize the tactics. Let us know uh, how it goes for you. And uh, we just like hearing from you guys in your journey. Elk season is super special and very finite. So we say this a lot, but take advantage of every day and make sure that you've taken care of all your business at home and so that you can check out and hunt your best with no distractions. Today's podcast is brought to you by Vortex Optics, the force of optics. Vortex Razor HD 4000 rangefinder for you guys hunting out west would be a good option if you're looking for a last minute purchase. That's probably the one I would recommend out of all of their rangefinders. It's got angle compensation and it gives you readouts to the decimal. I like the display, it's super fast, it's light, it's robust, and it's backed by their VIP warranty. We also have a discount code for Vortex Optics Apparel. Use the discount code OAKSHAPE. 
save 20% off. If you're making any last-minute gear purchases, check out BlackOvis.com. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to save 20%. And load up on your trail packs from Wilderness Athlete. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE30. Uh, we're going to get into this podcast with Dirk Durham. He is uh, my co-pilot at this camp. This was back in March. And then we also answer live Q&A after we go over all the call-in scenarios. This little nugget is gold. I don't know where this card I lost it, but I somehow found it, and I was pleasantly surprised. I'm dropping it here late August. Thank you guys for your support. If you uh, haven't had a chance to share this podcast with a friend, if you're an iPhone user, you can simply share it uh, from your phone or tell a buddy and uh, get the good word out about us, public land, blue-collar, do-it-yourself elk hunters. Guys, have the best week ever, and remember, separation is in the preparation. I love scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. <laughs> I love scotch. <laughs> Guys, we are recording a live podcast at Elk Shape Camp 6.0 in Roanoke, Texas. I think we're at Cinnamon Creek Ranch. This is arguably one of the funnest camps. These guys can all call good. Hey, we're in Texas. What are we doing in Texas? They don't have elk in Texas. Yeah, they do. But I guess they do. Apparently. And they got elk hunters in Texas, too. Yep, yep. Well, we're going to basically do a quick little Q&A session. But first, we're going to preach some gospel on setups. Partner setup specifically, we're going to have Dirk just kind of run through a handful of good tactics to have in your back pocket because, you know, you never know when you have to pull out your ace. That's right. So um, let's start with the catapult strategy, the fadeaway strategy, the slingshot strategy, whatever you want to call it. How does that work? Okay, so we've got a bull. We've been bugling for a while, and he's hung up. This is a two, this is a, a shooter collar scenario. Uh, the collar is 30 yards from the, from the shooter. The shooter's up there, bull is locked up. The collar fades back 30 more yards, 30 to 60 more yards. Then that's when the shooter pulls out his bugle and rips a big, mean, nasty, gnarly, challenge bugle right so that bull thought he heard that bull walk away he kind of got like yeah that's right get to stepping but that's when your buddy hammers him with a challenge bugle right up close what happens well a lot of times that bull will come right in and be like oh no you don't or he will pop out and show himself let's say he's pretty close and he's in in behind some stuff where you can't get a shot he'll show himself um or if you want to do the just straight up fade away, the collar walks directly away, goes back 100 yards and starts bugling again. It starts beating the crap out of everything, throwing rocks, cow calling, just starts a rut frenzy again, but a little bit further away. You see this sometimes with bulls, you know, they'll come up a ways, they'll bugle at you, and then they'll kind of fade back to where they were and they'll kind of carry on again. So you're kind of giving that bull the illusion that that's what you're doing. Well, he comes right down there to where you were last at he's going to come he wants to smell you he wants to see who is that is that old bob or charlie down there bugling at me well he don't know your shooter is waiting in the wings mm, okay does that make sense guys yeah so shooter can have a bugle tube as well that would help when you bust that out and that's kind of when you you've just got a bull that's just pretty stubborn at this point like you've kind of tried you've exhausted some other we've ideas. pulled every trick in the book we're gonna bust just, this out he's still Pretty stubborn. Stubborn. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, what about when you have a bull that's stubborn like this? Same situation. He's kind of shut up. We know he was vocal. And Dirk's good caller. I'm a good enough caller. And we want to do the triangle is what we call this where, okay, this bull doesn't want to come out. He doesn't want to play. He wants to hang up. We're going to ignore him. And we're going to spread out two, 300 yards apart. And we're going to create our own almost cold calling scenario. We're going to like create our own little rut frenzy. And we're going to start with kind of small and build it up and escalate it into kind of like a little bit of midday madness, if you will, or a bugle fest. But we're never going to acknowledge or address this bull. So he may like just shut up and listen to him. Dirk may be like, hit me with a bugle. All of a sudden, I answer back 30 seconds later. And eventually, 10, 15 minutes later, Dirk's doing his lip ball, grunts and chuckles, bugle at me, and I'm cutting Dirk off, and we're throwing in cow calls. And we're creating a scenario where this bull is literally a mere three, 200, 200 yards away from this rut frenzy. And guess what? This bull's bugling, and we are not letting him in on this action. But one, one thing we are doing, we're working towards that bull all the while. So he don't think we're really trying to get him. He thinks these two idiots are going to come fight right by me. And eventually, he may just come right into one of the, you guys, whichever one sounds like the easiest fight to win or maybe the biggest fight to win. Or possibly I'm just going to hook one of these idiots' cows. And so because elk can be greedy lovers. And so this bull maybe not want nothing to do with us, but we've created so much excitement and emotion that he's going to come in and sneak in and hook a cow. Well, that is one way to, we call it the triangle, whatever, but you do want to shrink your triangle. And it is take a little bit of time to do it right. But if you can ignore him, it's game on. Okay, so what about um, that bump and charge deal is what I've always called it. But like somebody asked a question today here, you guys were like, well, what if the cat, you get in tight on this herd bull, but the cows pick you off and they start to bump or whatever or freak out and run, is the hunt over? And Dirk was like, oh, actually, conversely, the hunt has just begun. You have a pretty good situation depending on one thing. So we're going to talk about that scenario. Yeah, yeah. some, some uh, old-timers call it uh, splitting the herd, right? Splitting the herd. As soon as those cows bust, what do you do? You sprint right up there, right into the, towards the middle of them or right where they were at. You know, you're bugling the whole time. That bull, there's there's cows going everywhere. That bull loses his mind. He's like, oh, no, <laughs> I've lost my ladies. And he'll fire up, and he'll come over there to whip your butt. But guess what? You're not an elk. You're just going to shoot him. Yep. <laughs> you know, bumping the cows, but the bull didn't see you. Because remember, he's a lot of times he's in the back. He doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to hook some young cow over here or just he's trying to herd cats, right? Sometimes you're not next to all the cows, and so he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't realize. And you can take advantage of that, get his guard down. Uh, let's talk about a scenario where we are feeling pretty froggy, and we, we're pushing this bull, but we can tell every time we get in to where we want, it seems like he's hooking his cows up and leaving. And maybe he's got a couple pesky satellites, too, that are following him, so he's not shutting up and we're going to kind of bump and run this bull a little bit. We're going to push him. What does that scenario look like? Um, you're going to just keep pushing on that guy. And depending on the time of day, maybe he's just heading towards the beds with, bed with the ladies. Um, maybe you're not doing anything wrong. They're just trying to get to the, to the, to the bedding area. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you've pushed him hard enough already. You've kind of screwed up his morning. 
he hits one ridge, kind of stops. You catch back up. You challenge him. He's like, I'm out of here. Let's go. We can play this game for quite a while, for an hour or two before he'll either finally get fed up and be like, all right, I'm going to push these cows of mine over here. I'm coming out, coming back to kick your butt. Or he might just blow out of there and push him right over the top of the mountain. But a lot of times I've had it happen to where they finally just kind of get fed up with you dogging them, and they will turn and fight. That's a very high fitness game because these elk obviously are faster than you. They have four legs. They know the country. They know the terrain. And sometimes they'll actually stop bugling, so it can backfire where you're like, where did they go? But if you can push and push and push, it's almost like some bulls have an imaginary line or even the cows that he has have an imaginary line. We're like, okay, that whole hillside's hot. We're not leaving this timber. We've reached our threshold. We ain't going any further. You need to do something about this dude. And then the bull will be like, all right, fine, and turn around and fight. And it's usually going to be like on a bench or a shelf, something where he can hold the higher ground. And went, so he can, you can see better higher, right? If you stand higher, if you're higher up, you can see. They want that visual perspicuity, that visual confirmation. Uh, and then they also want a little downhill gravity momentum to whip your butt, right? From That's where you're going to have to have your guard up anytime that you feel like you've pushed this bull and he's kind of slowed down finally. There's a bench there. You need to tiptoe your way up to that bench, be looking, making sure he's not staring from some position. Again, this strategy requires a lot of fitness and it's not, I don't think it's as, it's better to have them call, you call them to you than you push them. But you can do this. It works. I've done it a right. lot. I've done it a lot too. And maybe not at the nine and 10,000 feet elevation type oh, no, stuff. God, no. no, I'm talking like 4,000 feet. Um, yep. type of elevation where the air is a lot thicker maybe you don't have as gnarly as steep terrain um, some of the front type country works like a charm there's a there's some guys that are going to preach to you guys about you only need to know a couple calls you need to know a calf call bull calling cow glunks and a location bugle that's all you need okay and so we're going to talk about that strategy a little bit it's kind of more or less the theory is to kind of humanize elk that if a bull's got cows, just like women don't like other cliques of women, right? New hot girl shows up to school, and all the girls that are already at school see the star quarterback checking her out. They get really jealous and chatty, and, and they're not going to be like, oh, come and hang out with us, right? So you've kind of humanized that mature cows don't want another, some different cow they don't know. So a lot of times a cow call can be your worst enemy when you're wor working in on a, on a herd. But a calf call is like a child, or maybe even, to put it in the worst terms, like, <laughs> I gotta say this appropriately, uh, like a high school girl, okay? Where the herd bull is gonna, you know, he's got his 45-year-old girlfriend, but he hears this hot 18-year-old, if that's even a word. If I'm a, you know, he's gonna come over and check that out, regardless of what the other cows have to say about it. And so some guys will like theory that the calf call is a sound that is going to attract the bull, regardless of how many cows he has, and it's a safer play. And then when you use that calf call, he will probably vocalize and make a sound that is talking to her, say, get over here. And it will, do we have your bugle? Yes. We should probably do some sounds with this. Dirk's always got a call on him. Somewhere here. So to, to this younger female, compared to these older females, might be a little more attractive to this bull. He might be willing to drop his guard 
and regardless of what his girls think, he might go come and check her out. So he hears this calf call, okay? And it's pretty pleady. It's pretty urgent. He is going to probably tell her to come over to him, and it's going to sound something like this. And then the bull's going to say, be really short. It's going to be real lip bally. It's going to be no chuckles or grunts. It's actually anticlimactic, but it's this a good sound. And now you are going to introduce your sound, but you are actually going to ask his ladies to come over to you. And again, it's kind of the same premise of you are ignoring this bull. You are not chuckling. You are not grunting. When you hear a chuckle or a grunt in this set of theory, that's that's, that's just chit-chat or crap-talking to other males. Bulls don't chuckle at their ladies. They don't grunt at their ladies. So does that make sense as far as like, so why would you, we're not worried about this bull. We're not going to chuckle at him. We don't want to talk smack to him. We're going to talk to his girls because we we're going to tell his girls to come over to us. So we're literally going to duplicate that same bugle and it's going to drive this bull nuts. So again, give him that bull calling cow and then you could even sneak in some grunts not like like some actual uh, some breeding sounding almost tending glunks or um, you want to do some glunks and then you could even do add a little bit of vocal things in there like literally growl and grunt into your into your tube now you are having a conversation to his ladies and to this uh, younger female. This herd bull could come unhinged. And so some guys talk about just treat elk hunting like a bar scene. If you want to start a fight with somebody, you don't go up there and say, hey, you, yeah, you. You want a piece of me? No, you go up to, Shane, I go up to you and I say, nothing. I look over at your girlfriend slap a one-liner on her right in front of you it's very insulting and so um, like Joel Turner talks about this a lot because he is uh, in law enforcement and he's broken up God knows how many bar fights seeing human acting very primal and it's a lot of displaying a lot of taking your shirt off or beating a trash can down in front of another guy like well elk do that too they thrash trees and they display and they dig the earth up and a lot of the fights don't happen over crap talking or chuckling most fights happen over some guy talking to some guy's girl and so some people will humanize elk hunting and try, and you can try this out it will definitely work in some scenarios but i also want to say dirk none of these things work they, they all these things work 60 percent of the time all the time every time <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> if you will like there is no 100 percent way to go and I, I feel like uh we've done a good job this weekend so far like letting guys know that we don't believe in just one way. We feel like you should have all these tricks. What about slow play? You hear about the slow play a little bit or other people call it different things, but like maybe a herd bull does just give you this lazy bugle. Give us a lazy bugle from his bed. Those ones can be really tough to get worked up. Like, so what, what would you do in that situation? Um, here's how I'd slow play that bull. I would kind of do more of a mimic type routine. If that bull gave me one of those lazy, wimpy bugles, I would give him 
the same. But I wouldn't do it like right on top of him. I would wait. So um, from the first time he responded to my calls, it may be a little while. So let's say I've made some calls. I've made some cow calls. I've made a a few locator bugles. And after about five minutes, ten minutes, he busts out one of these. I don't immediately just like jack him up and say, hammer him. Yo, I'm going to whoop your. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait an appropriate amount of time. What's that amount of time? Probably another five minutes. I mean, we have to practice patience at this point. This We're in for the long game. So, and what, what bugle am I going to give him? What call am I going to give him? I might give him a couple of interested cow calls. They won't be super pleading or anything, but there'll be just a couple cow calls like, hey, we heard you over there, dude. But I'm not going to bugle to him for probably three or four minutes, five minutes. And then when I do bugle, it's going to be the same old lazy, lackadaisical, bedded type bugle. When will you, as you get closer and you've stayed with lackadaisical calls, when will you introduce a cow or a cow clean or an estrus, a contact buzz? I mean, everybody's got a word for it. But when do you introduce the female vocalizations into the slow play? So I'm going to probably wait a while. I've had this slow play thing go for an hour, two hours before things heat up. So I'm going to sit on a log. I'm not going to try to push up on him too hard. I'm going to just keep my distance, and I'm just going to keep poking at him. Every time he bugles, I'm going to wait it out, kind of look at, figure out how long it was for him to reply or me to reply to the last one. We're going to do this little, little I'm going to wait you out game on who can wait the longest to bugle. Might be five minutes, might be eight minutes, but I'm going to do that. And then he's probably going to reply. And at some point, that conversation is going to pick up and th- that time is going to be shorter in between bugle replies. And a lot of times, and it may take an hour before his voice changes, but his voice will change from that last lackadaisical, but it'll change to more of a, a little more aggressive bugle. It'll so, sound something like this. Full bugle, not ultra aggressive, not a challenge bugle, just a full bugle. But you're going to be able to see like, wait, I think that bull might be on his feet now. Yeah, that wasn't from his bed. No, he got up. He stood up. And now he's probably pacing around over there, probably went over and found his favorite tree and starts raking it, horning it up, thinking about, that guy over there is starting to piss me off a little bit. (laughs) I think I might, you know, work myself up a little bit. And uh, I might even go over there and set him straight if he don't shut his mouth. So when he bugles like that, guess what I do? I bugle like that, but I don't cut him off. I don't get aggressive. It ain't the time to be aggressive. It's still time to be patient. You know, I wait. I wait a while, three, eight, three to three to five, eight minutes, somewhere in there. I'm not pushing buttons quite yet. Mm-hmm. So I give him the same kind of bugle he just gave me. But when he did give me that real interested bugle or that real, that more aggressive bugle, now I'm going to give him some of these cow calls. They're like, Whoa, hey, we have a new player. So once he's changed his status, he does a status update on social media, and he's no longer, I'm bedded. He does it, I'm on my feet. Dirk now introduced female vocalizations. That, and that took 
anywhere from 15 minutes to two hours, but we don't have any other bulls to go after. It's a pretty hot day. This is what we got. We got to be delicate and we got to Ryan Lampers this bull. We got to practice patience. So now we've added the cow calls. Take us through that. So when his voice changes and he says, hey, I don't really like what you're saying over there. When he, when he picks up that aggressive bugle, what I'm going to do right away, as soon as he does it, I'm going to give him some very interested cow calls. Give him a handful of those. And then I'm not going to bugle. I'm just going to wait, wait it out. And I'm going to see what his reaction is. And play off that. And play off that. Yeah. Now, he may come right back and bugle again. He may not. But I'm going to wait. And when I bugle, I'm going to give him the same kind of bugle that he, he came with last time. So, so mimic everything. Mimic everything. Let him let him escalate the situation. I'm not escalating the situation. I'm just being over here being a copycat. So I, when do you know the difference for those that are wondering, okay, he's he's stood up, he's been just doing normal bugles, but holy smokes, that I think that was a challenge bugle. This is gonna this is gonna be what it sounds like. Give him kind of more of like the okay, he's turning the tables. He's he's talking smack. So now he's been on his feet for a while. He's been rubbing his horns. He's given me a couple of those a little more aggressive bugles. I've given him very, very interested cow calls. Now he gives me a bugle like, you better shut your mouth or I'm going to come over there and kill you. What does that sound like? And this is going to sound like this. Wow. So you can tell the difference in that. You know, it's just taking that, you're just escalating that sound up, up, up. More aggression, more more emotion in that call. And when you hear that, you're like, okay, he's going to come. And usually by that point, from where he from where he first bugled, that full bugle where he got it, where he stood up out of bed, a lot of times he'll, he's ha- he's moved by that point. Yep. He's come down the hill or come across a ridge or come across a hillside 100 yards, 200 yards. He's starting to make his move to you. Roger. Okay, before we, we're going to finish with some Q&A, I want to touch on just some best practices for cold calling. By the way, I hate cold calling. That is not what I signed up for when it comes to elk hunting. But ultimately, I think we all agree, but we want to have success in the field and we'll do whatever it takes. And sometimes that requires cold calling when we know we're in an area that the elk are in and we know that they, in in a good day, they should be bugling, but they're not. We are going to do some cold calling. So cold calling is where you're basically planning or anticipating if the stars align and you make the right sounds and you're in the right area, a bull or the bull will come in silent and you will be in position to shoot. Do you guys understand what cold calling is? Okay, Dirk, so I'm put you on the spotlight here. Like, what is some of your best practices or maybe even some of the worst practices when it comes to cold calling? Um, cold calling is all about positioning of where you're at to do it. Um, sitting in the middle of an alpine meadow, you don't, that's not a place to cold call. On, the, on a big, open, uh, south-facing slope, middle of the day, that's not a place to cold call. The places where you want to cold call are, these places are going to be where in the middle of the day, you're more than likely going to find elk in those places. 
towards the bedding areas. You want to be close to the bedding areas. If you're not sure where the bedding area is, but you have a hunch, that's where you start. You know, you're, you're seeing tracks, you're seeing some scat. And then what you're going to do is you're going to look at your wind direction. You're going to look at where you most likely going to see an elk come from. And then you're going to position yourself. Now, if you have a, if you have a friend, if you have a, a shooter with you and you've got your bow too, what I'm going to do is send my shooter. I'm going to send him downwind about 50 yards, 60 yards, or to where I can just still see him, but he's quite a ways down where if a bull circles below that, he's going to be able to shoot him and see him. Um, so I'm going to be having my guy just out, almost out of sight of me, downwind. That way, if the bull doesn't come in downwind, he comes straight into me, then I'll shoot him, or if he decides he's going to be the sneaky guy, my my shooter's going to get him. We can do this with three guys, too. You can put your shooter up ahead of you, 50 yards, 60 yards, just within your sight range. Your shooter number one will be on a straight line to where you think the elk are going to come, maybe off that straight line, you know, 5, 10 yards. Then you have your shooter number two on that down downwind side. So now you've covered in to a potential hang-up spot, number one. Yep. And then number two is past the hang-up spot where the said bull would come past that point, skirt it to get the wind. And he's going to circle and do a wind arc to get the wind, and that's where your second shooter is. Um, cold calling solo is what worked for me in Wyoming last year. And I'll just briefly describe it. It was more of I opened up with a few soft cow calls, threw in some calf calls, and then immediately let out kind of like your average bugle, just your basic bugle. Just kind of let it just chill for a second and just listen. And when I'm cold calling, I am going to know if a squirrel is in a tree. I'm, lean, I'm listening for, I am planning on them coming in silent. I'm not listening. Hope, I'm hoping they'll bugle, but I'm at the point where I'm pretty sure they're not going to talk, but they are interested. And I, when I have a bull come in, he's going to show up drooling. He's just, he's ready to rock, but he just doesn't want to vocalize. And that's common. That's fine. And so we'll, we'll open up with that sequence, but we will slowly start to add a few more tones of plean, whatever you want to call it, where the, where the cow call is definitely not your basic cow call. There seems to be a potential that she's interested in breeding. And then there may be a potential for me to introduce that same bugle, basic bugle, but now I'm going to add in another bugle, but it's going to have a completely different tone. And so Dirk, do me the favor of a super basic bugle, and then maybe I'm adding right after that a younger bull bugle, like a pretty squeaky bugle, and now we have two bulls on the scene. Okay, and I would I would say I would point my tube one direction for the one bull and can, you know, point it 180 degrees the opposite direction. We're, this bull's over here, and this bull 180 degrees over here. And so and you can you can do a little trickery. You can, uh, let's say it's the squeaky bull, you can put your hand over the, the tube, cover it up just a little bit, and not blow quite as quite as loud and it gives that uh deception that you're over there 80 yards away or 100 yards away yeah so uh here's your just your basic bugle and then um pointed the other direction old mr squeaky pants that's it that's totally it <clears throat> You can escalate that in 10 or 15 minutes and build that up to 
some some bugles and chuckles. And then again, on the squeaky, Mr. Squeaky side, I'm going to keep my chuckles really fast and clownish, you know, is what I call those. And then my more mature bull, I'm going to make them more grunty. But I'm going to build it up to some, like, intolerance of each other. So will you do that for me real quick? Kind of a basic bugle with grunts and then kind of that squeaky bugle, younger bull chuckle. Okay, here's the basic bugle with grunts. And then here's Mr. Squeaky Pants. Do you guys kind of hear the difference in the chuckle versus grunt? It's, we kind of talked about this before, and we kind of, it's our theory that it's definitely a maturation thing. Uh, where those younger bulls kind of sound like a, <laughs> you know, whereas those bigger, more mature bulls. And so we've built this up. Now, I'm solo. I did all this solo in Wyoming. And then guess what I did? I knew which way the wind was blowing. I knew there was where there was shadows. I knew where it was dark. And I had to move to my hang-up spot quietly without breaking a stick. So I'm loud. I'm throwing rocks. I'm making all this. I'm creating this herd vibe. And then I'm anticipating two different areas where elk are coming in, and I'm setting up off those, and I sneak into position. Okay, and that's going to give me a best. That's going to give me the best opportunity for a bull to walk in, staring where all that noise came from, and then guess what? Dan's 20 yards over there shooting him broadside. Okay, and you can do this as you work through good elk country if they're not behaving. It's not the sexiest. It's not my preference. It's not what I sign up for, but I will do it if necessary. So um, we are almost out of time for today's second day of Elk Shape Camp. Do you guys have any last-minute questions that we can tackle? What time is it? We'll give him 15 minutes of Q&A. If you got any, fire away. So he's kind of asking, because you're not mic'd up, David asked Dirk, on that slow play scenario where Dirk spent hour and a half kind of mimicking, doing it, you know, got the bull to finally stand up, just pestered him, and then introduced cow calls. As a solo hunter, how do you set up from there once you can kind of understand that that bull is probably coming in? What do you do? Do you, from there? Um, I didn't, typically, I don't make a bunch of moves towards that bull. I let him come to me. All the way in. All the way in okay. until if until he hangs up. Now, if he hangs up, then depending on where the hang-up spot is, I'm going to go back to my old wee-eye whiz-bang type scenario where he's hung up. I can't see him. He can't see me. But now he's waiting for me to show myself. So I'm going to go halfway to him. He's 80 yards away, hung up. I'm going to beat feet 40 yards to him. And I'm going to give him the biggest, nastiest scream challenge bugle you've ever heard. And I'm going to crunch and break every single stick between where I'm currently at to 40 yards away from him. And then I'm going to stop, knock an arrow, and get ready. And hold your ground at 40. And hold my ground at 40. So he said, we ipe, whiz bang. We ipe is a tiny town in Idaho. What's a whiz bang? I don't even know. It just sounds cool. It sounds so cool because he said that so fast. You guys are like, oh, yeah, it's just dirt. What? <laughs> we hype whiz bang. So do you understand what he said there? This is a good tactic. I'm glad you brought it up. So bull's coming in. He got to his hang-up spot. He should see what he 
needs to see, doesn't see it. Dirk's got a big cedar blocking this bull's view, or he's got a big tree or some sort of topography between him and that bull. The wee up whiz bang is to go right at that bull in ridiculous fashion. You can be loud, whatever. Just make sure he doesn't see you, cut the distance in half, and give him your best, meanest, nastiest bugle, and make sure you're knocked up because he's not going to probably tolerate that. No. That's the wee up whiz bang. That's the wee up whiz bang. He's mm. going to, at that point, that bull is going to expose himself. He'll be like, all right, who's this clown talking smack? I, I want to see him at this point. And he's going to step out broadside to take a look. And by then, you're already drawn, and it's too late. For those wondering, that is trademarked, and don't yeah, even write try that, it. Write that. It's been written down. It's trademarked for sure. Uh, okay, great question. What else do you guys got? So his question is, let's say the slow play scenario just carries on and on and on, and this bull never, the tables never get turned enough where the bull gets up on his feet. When do you decide enough is enough? Then at that point, you have to kind of weigh out how much effort you want to put into this bull. Let's say this thing's across a big treacherous draw. You're 30 minutes or an hour till dark. Do you have time to get over there and and not get winded? Do you have enough time to put into it to, to seal this deal? Um, if you do, then it's kind of like business as normal though. I'm going to, I'm going to go right at him. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit calling at that point. I'm going to go right to where I think he is get within 100 yards, 200 yards of him, get in that red zone and try to start this up again. Yeah, I would say it would be time to reposition. I mean, two hours of interactions and you're like, let's say they're 15 minutes apart, <sighs> but it's early in the day. Maybe I'll let it continue to marinate because he's going to get annoyed eventually. I really believe that. But if we're looking at like we're pushing two, three o'clock and, you know, Time is definitely limited now. we got to reposition and get in tighter. And also, in an area with some good oak density, he may be the herd bull, but his satellites have heard this go on for so long. There is a darn good chance that one of them has snuck in by now to see what's, what this is all about and find out who you are. And again, they're going to treat it just like they're going to get into a position where they should be able to see where the sound's coming from. So your head should be on a swivel, and I would almost like guarantee if you're in a decent area – a different bull is going to sneak in by then. Yeah. Or maybe that is the satellite bull that's been quacking. Yep. And it fires up the big boy, and the big boy's like, it's game on. I hope that happens, actually. Yeah. And which can happen. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, so his question is, is when do you add the cow calls for clarification in this slow pace scenario, and what kind of cow calls are the first cow calls you make once you've understood that the bull has stood up and he's no longer bugling from his bed? That's a sign of you know, agitation. What is your go-to cow calls initially? So I'm testing the waters in the beginning with just your everyday average cow call. Nothing fancy, nothing just plain old cow call like this. Just a plain, average, everyday cow call. Once the conversation changes and he, get, he gets up out of his bed and you can hear his bugle change, now I'm going to give him a cow call that's like, oh, hey, hey there, come on over. I'm going to give him longer, drawn-out, excited, pleading type cow calls 
to let him know, hey, remember me from last year? I think I think I know you. <laughs> That's it. All right, guys, one, one or two more questions, and we're going to go to dinner. Anybody got anything left? So the question is, is when does sign override the fact that you're not hearing vocalizations and that would dictate that, hey, I got to stay and do slow plays here and cold call setups because the elk are definitely right in this area. Like, what, is it, what does that sign look like where it's like, well, so I know Dirk's answer already, but we'll have to address it. So let's say you're not going to be mobile. You're not going to go find better elk. You're going to stick with these. Why would you do that? What would the sign have to look like for you to stay? So let's say we're covered up in, in lots of sign. There's fresh rubs within a day or so old. There's elk scat. There's fresh tracks. The wallows are muddy. I know the elk are here. What are we going to do? We don't want to hike all the way back out. We've put all this effort in. So at that point, I go on the seek and destroy mission, right? We're going to seek and destroy. What I'm, seek and destroy? I'm interested. All right. So this is a big drainage or a big basin in there. Where are these elk going to be? We have to figure that out. So from the point where we find the sign, we have to kind of follow the clues. Whether we walk up the hillside, you know, you have a ridge top that's 1,000 feet above you. You're walking up 500 feet, and you're going to cut that ridge line in, in half, and you're going to walk full length of it, whether it's 5 miles, 8 miles, whatever it comes go up the one side and then make a big loop and come down the other side. You're going to cover every bit of that whole area to make sure they're not in there. Um, and at that point, if I haven't heard bugles in there, I'm out because they either don't want to play the game or they've been already happenstance. They're gone. They've might've been there the day before the night before. And then for whatever reason, they've moved out. They've, they want to try out some greener pastures mm -hmm. or maybe Doug Flutie and his brother, Dick, his alcoholic brother, Dick came along and, Busted him out of there. He's alcoholic. He is. Oh, my God. <laughs> he drinks while he hunts. <laughs> he's in a bad place. I didn't know he's an alcoholic. That is terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> Seen it a hundred times. <laughs> how, how is that? Seek and destroy mission. I like it. Yeah. Um, his question is, is, Nighttime bugling as it pertains to just using the nighttime to locate elk. Is that as effective early season only or would you do it throughout the season? We're talking to archers here at this camp, so we're going to use September as our main example. And we can talk about states like Utah uh, where it's opened early August and Nevada even. Or most states that open right around Labor Day or beginning of September. I personally enjoy night bugling because... It is usually pretty hot first half of September, and it is pretty cool at night. And so it, it's kind of like the elk have reprieved themselves from this heat. I think the chances are they're going to be way more vocal, uh, way more susceptible. Um, there's definitely not a lot of Doug Fluties out at night, and so they don't hear a lot of that, you know, stair-step bugle. Not that that's a bad thing, but so, yeah, I'm into it big time. I would prefer to have a plan for the next day. And that plan revolved around hunting elk that I heard with my own two ears in an area I know they're going to be fairly close to the next day. I just like that. I feel like I need elk to bugle to kill them. And so I got to find elk that want to bugle. What about later on in the season? I still, I mean, I, I would do it throughout no, the season. No, I'd but. agree with that, you know, early, um, whenever maybe they're just 
it's warm. They're not as active during the daytime, and maybe at nighttime they're they're going to cut loose a little bit. Um, and one thing about nighttime bugling, you have to remember, um, for the guys, the science guys, um, during the daytime, the beams from sunlight cut down on sound, the travel of sound. At night, your bugles will travel further. They will penetrate better because you don't have sun rays knocking them down. No kidding. Yeah. So, right, good stuff. Write, I'm write that, that down. down. Write that down. But no, even in, in later in the season, um, if I've kind of if I've kind of spun out, and it's like, gosh, I just don't know where I'm gonna hunt the next day. I gotta go find some elk, and if I can if I can burn some midnight oil or get up super early, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and then go out and find some, um, I'm gonna do it. That, absolutely. I almost like getting up way earlier than necessary, because then you got some sleep, and then you're on your you're like you're awake and. Chances are you get them located and you're hunting them at some point that day versus you like, I'm going to stay up all night. Well, what if you don't locate them till like four or five in the morning? You're going to be pretty smoked for that day hunt. And that's why I talked about earlier, maybe taking the morning off if you kind of have them in a basin or somewhere where, hey, they're not going anywhere. We'll, we'll, we'll come back midday and they're going to be where they're going to be. And it's going to be a good time for everybody. So. That's a good question. I think locating elk is the number one question we get at all these camps. I think after today, and there's not a lot of context in this podcast for this statement, but I feel like we've turned all of you guys into more mobile hunters. I think you've understood the value of not getting stuck in a rut, so to speak, and hunting the same stuff or being complacent with, well, there's good elk sign here. And I heard one bugle that one day, we got to stay here. It's finding the elk that want to play our game, which is we want to play a vocal game. We want to leverage emotions based upon two desires, to either breed or to defend the right to breed. That's it. Cool. And, and being mobile, I mean, um, you can take this a step further as far as, far as your camping spot. You can try to pick a central spot. If you're going to day hunt it, you can pick a central spot to where you can cover a larger area. You know, you know, you may have to drive a little further every day, but you're not pigeonholed way over here on the left wing. You're kind of right in the middle. Or let's say, um, and a lot of guys are, have a lot of romance for this, uh, having a Taj Mahal elk camp. We got the humongous wall tent. We've got a hot tub spa next to the creek. <laughs> We've got... 87 cases of beer. We've got generators. We have freezers. We have every, we pulled out all the stops. Yeah. That's a comfortable elk camp. But guess what? If you have to be mobile, you have to get up super early in the morning. You have to drive a long ways, and you're going to get back to camp super late. You're not going to be able to enjoy, enjoy those amenities up. of camp anyway. No. All those comforts. So a lot of times, I would recommend having a very simple mobile camp, you know, guys with the bivy style tents you're not bivy hunting but you're throwing out a little a little small tent wherever you want to camp you're going to hunt your spot and maybe you're going to drive 20 miles to the next spot put your tent at your truck and then hunt you know you're, you're day hunting here and there but you have a very small quick mobile camp that you don't have to set up in eight hours and then tear down in eight hours you see you see what i'm saying i love it i think that's so critical mobility is everything especially as hunting pressure increases you know what i mean i think we all romanticize about that wall tent and having elk camp but i can't tell you how many nights i've slept in the back of my tacoma i got a canopy that is mobile i don't have to break down nothing and i'm on the road 
So cool, guys. Well, we're going to jam to dinner. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We just wanted to give you guys leak a little bit of what Elk Shape Camp's about. And uh, I'm excited for tomorrow. We're doing a little bit of fitness. We're doing a little bit of financial planning. And uh, probably just answering your guys' questions on any elk hunting with Dirk. He'll be available, and he'll be a good day. But right now, we're going to go eat. All right, guys. All right, guys. So this time of year, I uh, wanted to just remind you, like, Make sure you've loaded your pack up, unloaded it a couple of times. Make sure that it's everything set up. You have a checklist of your gear. You don't forget anything. Maybe a backup bow. As far as base map, I've already fine-tuned all my maps from a desktop, and now I've already downloaded and inspected that they work offline. That's really important that you make sure all your maps are dope because I'll be living off my phone and base maps come fall. As far as broadheads, they should be... Pretty much at this point, I'm shooting one broadhead shot first thing, cold bore in the morning, and making sure that that shot is the most important. And then obviously, fill points and broadheads hidden at the same spot. I use Grim Reaper Micro Hades three blade. And then as far as uh, food, hopefully you've stockpiled some really good options from like off grid or you know peak refuel, whatever it is that you're into. I really like off-grid and that you've you know, maybe dehydrated some of your food and come up with some of the best quality ingredients to put into your body. I like the trail packs from Wilderness Athlete. I usually have a hydrate and recover right before bed and then I drink the energy and focus in the mornings and so just make sure you're stockpiling all your stuff, getting ready. It's uh, last minute little things here or there and, and be excited because it only comes once a year and it's like Christmas for us elk hunters. So Guys, appreciate the support. Remember, separation is in the preparation, and we'll catch you on the next one.